Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, David Sano, joined, as always, by the Ken to my Ryu. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, doing all right. And our very own Akuma. That's right. It's Eric oh. Ronovec. Eric, how are you doing? I was like, am I going to be Zangief? Am I going to be Dallasim? No, you Dallas? had to be. you. So you had to be a, a, a Shoto character because I was doing Shoto characters. And so your choices were you could be Akuma, the, the cool one. Or you could be Dan. I was gonna say that. I, I, I kind of <laughs> was hoping that he was gonna be Dan. And I was like, so so two years ago, you definitely would have been Dan. But I, you know, <laughs> I, like I said, I've I've turned over a new leaf. I'm a better person now. I'm trying the to be character. Nice. When everyone got that edition, was like Dan, dude. Dan Man, is the eight people who know what we're talking about are enjoying this. Dan is cool though. I kind of like it because you have a fam. you have a super that's a taunt. Like it, it's like <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, down to four, down four uh, taunt. It's okay. Vancouver scored again, by the way, guys, three to three. So, okay. Wait, are you the, Ryu from Fortnite? I'm Ryu from, no, Ryu from, <laughs> yeah, Ryu from Fortnite and Super Smash Brothers. Those are the games he's from, right? <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, that's enough inside baseball. <laughs> anyway, uh, we, the, this week the Seahawks played the Texans, but before we get to that, I got to ask you guys, which of these three things hurts the most? Which one makes you feel the worst. Oh no! Is it is it the Jets fans yeah. taking a victory lap with our four and eight record about how how uh, how great that trade was? Is it Malik McDowell playing seventy percent of snaps and being a good even dare I say great rotation player for the Cleveland Browns? Hmm. Or is it Seattle decided to punt to Houston from the Houston forty three <laughs> on fourth and five with two oh five remaining in the second while tied ten to ten? Which one hurts the worst? <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> I'll go ahead and take uh, this one first. Take the hard-hitting questions. Um, number one doesn't affect me because they're the Jets, so they'll piss the pick away anyway. Number two, uh, I will go ahead and skip over for now because I would like to say that the punting can't hurt me anymore. I'm immune. <laughs> you've you've you've, uh, <laughs> you've been overexposed. Uh, it's, so, you've 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 done a little bit of uh, of really stupid punts for a long time now, and uh, now you're immune. Both both right. cups are poisoned. Kevin Tennant's got his punt booster. That, that's exactly <laughs> correct. Um, I got third shot and booster, and I got a special fourth shot um, because I am immune from uh, Pete Carroll's punting decisions. So that's the neutral. Uh, the Jets one actually makes me happy because it's going to be hilarious when they pick a cornerback who starts six games and gets cut with the first overall with the first pick they get from us. So the one that hurts the most is uh, McDowell because I actually liked the pick. And I thought that he was going to be a good player for us. And what happened with him directly led us to get the LJ Collier pick later on. And so, uh, yeah, that one that that one is just a straight shot of bone hurting juice. Okay, Eric, how about you? Which one which one hurts the most? Uh, the Jets one doesn't bother me because we're going to win enough games that the Jets are not going to have the lottery picks. They think they will. Also, along sure they the will. Lines. It's just their pick. Yeah, along the lines of what Kevin said is that just the Jets are going to piss it away. Man, Malik, when they had when they had four and five though, weren't they starting to get when they had picks number four and five? Man, it was annoying seeing those. Tweets. I try to I, I I try not to perspire too much because I I'm still not happy about it. Malik McDowell does not bother me because it wasn't going to happen for him here. It took uh, him a long road to get a metal plate in his head and able to play in the NFL. I wish it would have happened here, but. For as good a pick it was, it was a bad pick for obvious reasons. And the third, uh, does anything hurt this year with Seahawk football? I mean, I guess we have one. We have one more. I mean, now, now that we're, I'm sorry, out of the playoffs. Like, if you are hanging on to the playoffs, everything hurts. But right now, I'm just like, no, no, no. It's we're we're playing for pride. It's uh, you know, that way when we make the playoffs, I can cry and be happy. And if we lose, I won't have to cry and be sad. Yeah, we're okay. Seattle sports fans. All we right. have years of rationalizing. Guys, got it. The punt hurts the most because let's be <laughs> honest, we are we are tied ten to ten against one of the worst teams in football. <laughs> there are two minutes left on the clock. 
Pete doesn't have the confidence in his defense to go out there and try to try to score against the the worst team or actually, you know, according to DVOA, the Falcons are the worst, but Houston's the worst. Let's be honest with Davis Mills, especially the real Houston. Houston is terrible. And so I'm just like, I cannot believe that he punted right there. It is just a, a mind boggling decision to to play scared of a Houston of the Houston Texans. We played scared of the Houston Texans, guys. I just couldn't. I can't do it. I can't it's do it anymore. Pete Carroll, it's Pete Carroll <laughs> football, man. Were Pete, you guys shocked at that? I was not. That's why it didn't hurt. I I'm was not. Like, I was course. not. I was not. Well, I mean, I did. Okay, people who were in the Discord watching the game with me, I I ended up watching the whole game in the voice chat this this week, pretty much. And uh, I mean, you heard my reaction. I was basically just yelling, like, "Why are we punting? Why are we punting?" Like, I was just screaming at the at the the screen here. I'm. I mean, I was very unhappy with the decision to punt. Uh, it's, it's, it's not my favorite. I don't like it. I, I want it to stop. I it's, he's like these 95th percentile cowardly punts against ta- not only here's the thing is not only are the punts really cowardly, it's a really cowardly thing to do to punt in that situation, but we're punting like that cowardly punt against a team that is so bad. This is such a bad team. Like if we were playing the Rams, I'd be like, all right, you know, like the, the Rams are good. Like we should be like a little, a little, we should play it tight to the vest maybe against Houston, like put Houston in the ground, put them six feet under. And I know we ended up winning the game like by like 20 <laughs> points, but win the game by 30 points. Like I don't care. Put Houston in the dirt where they belong. Like I, I don't know. It was so frustrating. Houston wants to lose. They want better picks next year. Like they, they ain't playing around. Uh, <laughs> there, done. All right, rant over. You guys ready to get into the, the, so the I'm meat and potatoes? The punt was your least favorite. Yeah, I'm. I'm sick of it. Can't okay. take it just, anymore. I just want. Wow. I just want to make sure that I didn't mishear that. A lot of people hate Pete Carroll for other reasons, uh, and this is the one that is the most <laughs> egregious to me. This is like my number one. I. I, if he stopped doing stuff like that, I think I could handle the like running too much and stuff like that because there are good offenses in the NFL that are built around the run game. There are two in our division, San Francisco and Los Angeles. Both of those teams run the ball as much as we do, and their offenses are incredible. You can build a good, a good offense around the run game. That's not my problem. My problem is that he's he his decision making on on when he throws the challenge flag when he does that he's he has a terrible he is terrible at stuff so what i'm hearing is that you think that uh added to the practice agenda we need a find your balls friday for pete i I think i need i think i need him to like have a kid that plays madden a lot just like follow him (laughs) around and be like hey bro i i've done i've played you know eighteen thousand games of madden that's more games than you've coached trust me uh, you should go for it on in these fourth and shorts in the middle of the field. Like this is ridiculous. Wait, wait, wait. Um, so he's gonna give him a bunch of advice as a coach? Well, I mean, here's the thing about Matt. Can Madden you get a personalized too. jersey that says Tater Top on the back? Please, thank you. <laughs> All right, let's let's get into it. Offense. We're gonna start on offense because wide receiver Tyler Lockett joined Steve Largent as the only players in franchise history to record three consecutive one thousand yard seasons with an excellent performance. This week, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Tyler off the table. I'm taking him as my star of the game because I had the stat written down, <laughs> written down, and you guys gotta gotta deal with it. But Tyler was awesome in this game, catching five passes on nine targets for 142 yards and a touchdown. Uh, just he was able to get loose down the field. He was able to uh, do the thing he does with Russ, where he extends plays and then has a mind meld. And uh, yeah, I mean it was just it was it was Tyler Lockett's Tyler Lockett things the game. And I, I really appreciate that. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I was into it. Tyler Lockett was my offensive star. And I left a lot on the table for you guys there because uh, there was a, there was quite a few offensive stars in this game. So, Eric, why don't you tell us your offensive star in this game? I'll go with the offensive star that I've been calling every week. It's just going to be awesome since he was drafted. And that's Rashad Penny. Never oh, a man. doubt. Welcome to, welcome to my corner. Finally. 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 Yeah, there was never any doubt. Hey, how many yards? Okay, so he had 8.6 yards per attempt. How many of those yards came after contact? Oh, seven. Seven? Yeah. Seven, bro. <laughs> yeah, seven. I like how we all look for that stat. That's... <laughs> I mean, he's averaging almost four yards per contact after attempt this year. He's at 3.3 for his career. Here's the thing that sucks about Rashad Penny. When he is on the field, he is pretty, pretty good. Uh, 
but the amount of time he spends on the field is uh, is very very low, and so it's it's tough. It's tough. It's well, very we'll tough, see but... how he does the rest of the season because he's going to have the opportunity now that Alex Collins is trash and Rashad Penny is the best option we have. Let's see if he can keep his legs uh, attached to his body. It'll be really nice. Yeah, uh, more, so... more ed more edge rushes too. The I mean, he he gained fifty seven of his yards off right end and. The, he looks really good going around the end. I want to see. Uh, I want to see more of that uh, in space. In space, he um, he made three guys miss off of his right end runs too. Three of his five missed tackles forced in this game were off of edge runs, and he's just he's just so good at making guys miss. I in want space. more re- more receptions from the coming weeks. I think yeah, get uh, get him out yeah. in space and get him a catch. I agree, Eric. That is it's like a, it's a way a to call. to just yeah, stretch him. Is- you know. Collins will Collins will get you basically the same experience no matter what like yeah he had seven attempts for 16 yards it was like one of his uh, lower running games but he's a guy you can kind of hand the ball to get you three or four yards a bunch and if you give him uh, like four carries he'll probably average like four yards per attempt and if you give him like nine carries he'll probably average like four yards per attempt and if you give him like 18 carries he'll probably average like three to four yards per attempt if you give Penny three carries he might average one yard per attempt but if you give him eight or more carries in his career in the nfl he averages five or more yards per attempt and oh, so that is Sean the kind of back he is he's like um <laughs> he's like uh saquon barkley like it's like a it's like a he's gonna break one if you give him the ball enough times eventually he's going to break one and like you said eric and get him the ball in space. Be, be creative and get him the ball in space uh, on the edge. You know, get him get him out there catching a catching a short pass. I'd like to see that happen. I it's one of those things. I'm I'm really high on it because it was we, such a cool thing to see. But we man, threw a couple I, screens in this game. We threw a couple screens it? in this game. So maybe it's coming. Maybe they're they're we're working on it. Uh, it's in the game plan. All right, Kevin. We let, there's still some meat on this bone. This was a very good game for the Seahawks offense. So. Who are you gonna Who are you gonna go with for? Uh, I'm gonna for go your in offense. a really weird spot um, because I could go with uh, Russell Carrington Wilson right here for uh, a really good like 9.3 yards for attempt. He had a he had an overall good game, but it's the kind of game I would expect him to have. Um, there's a really interesting thing that we did. I'm gonna give two players a nod here um, because Hello. of what they combined to do, which Didn't is work. I feel like D. Eskridge and Will Disley when put together in an outside run package is a really interesting blocking tandem. They I actually seem to have a really good understanding of where to be and what to do. I actually thought you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were going to say Jake Curran and Will Disley because they kept Disley in to help Curran like basically the whole time. And it kind of made it work like it. It wasn't great, but they kept him in. They kept Disley in to block 22 times on 42 snaps and uh, six times on pass passing downs and on those six passing downs like he was just helping Curran and like I think that that's what you got to do when you have the right tackle out there you got to keep the the tight end into Disley to, to being help. the uh, George Fant of the current offense I think is probably the best iteration <laughs> of that concept and I'm the okay with Zach it. Miller yeah when and Zach that, Miller was our tight end at, uh, they left have, guard at, on the big run where Eskridge came across the package in like a sweep and then he sealed off the defensive end. I I mean, it was kind of a, a hold, but I don't care. Like you're never going to You're never going to call that against the 57 guy, you know. Yeah, the the five the guy who's 58180, he that that guy's going to get away with it and I thought that was that was pretty great. So, yeah, it was nice. It was cool. It was a kind of a cool play design. And like I said, you can be creative in play design with running plays. It's wild. Teams do it all the time. And so it's nice to see us start to do it. Um, would love to see Brandon Shell back, even though Curran did fine in this game, uh, because I do think that that is not sustainable. It was interesting to see them go with uh, Curran over Stone Stone Forsyth because Forsyth was pretty good last week. Yeah, but I do, a word for I, do, I do think they're grooming him to play left tackle, and they don't want him playing much out of position if they can avoid it. Uh, so that's probably part of the plan there. And uh, yeah, the rest of the offensive line looked perfectly serviceable against a Houston defense that, as we said, is not as bad as people act like it is. Uh, the defense is not the problem with Houston. The problem is the offense. Oh. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> uh, so, okay, let's get to the, let's get to the Seahawks defense. Eric, I got to let you go first. Cause your boy, your boy did it. So go ahead. Tell us about wait, it. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Before, before we go into Seahawks defense, is there okay. anything we want to talk about the Seahawks offensive line? I mean, I, uh, I mean, beefy boy Haynes got some snaps. That's always good to see. Um, I don't want to talk about postage being bad. I don't want to talk about Curran 
because that already happened. I and thought, I don't want to talk about Brown being washed. I thought Postage was was okay. I mean, on the run plays, they blocked really good. So like, but yes, they had they had pass blocking issues still. Um, I mean, you should you should not allow some some of the pressures they were allowing against a. I mean, Houston's defense is not bad. I'm 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 over it already. I'm already over it. Let's <laughs> moving moving on. Eric, tell really? us tell, tell us about Al Woods. I'm ready. Uh, I mean, I, I I can't I can't tell you how much I I've been watching Al Woods this season, and it hasn't been like the the best Al Woods season. It's it's been a good season, but there's been there's been valleys in the Al Woods season. Uh, I I I can't I can't tell you how how happy I am that this defense has grown. What is Al Woods? Thirty four, by the way. Is he thirty? Al Woods is thirty four. Yep, thirty four. Dear Lord. I don't know how much more we have of Al Woods, but for him to have a uh, yes, the Al Woods are old growth. This is this is <laughs> a probably, solid game against the Texans. Was um, I don't this know. Is pr- probably the it, best. This really is, cool. This is arguably the best season of Al Woods' career. Uh, he's having it right now. He's already got twenty six run stops and two sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, the two sacks is a career high, and he only needs two more run stops to uh to to meet his career high of twenty eight. He had four this week, and then he had a sack. Uh, four run stops on 13 run plays that he played against. Uh, that's, how, those are that's direct effective. stops. Those are that's direct effective. stops. It's kind of like when you have a pressure for a sack, it, right. you know, the pressions it's, are just there. There are times where they, Al Woods was closing in and the runner would have to move away. Or and when he almost got is, the safety on Rex Burkhead. Yes. Yes. And these are, these are important things that you don't see on the stat sheet. And that's why I was like, man, Al Woods, you may not get to see the playoffs this year, but damn, what a good third, game. 30 great uh 30 great snaps for for Al Woods for sure. Kevin, I'll let you take take it next since you had to go last last time. Uh we both knew Eric was going to take Al Woods, so that, I didn't do, I didn't put Thank you on the you. spot there at all. Uh Kevin, who's your defensive stud in this game? Uh I'm just going to continue my season long victory lap on Daryl Taylor, who right. I uh loved during the draft process, loved the pick, and I thought he was going to be a legit pass rusher from go. And he picked up, was it his sixth sack of the season? Yep, and didn't drop into coverage once. Thank you, Pete. Finally, <laughs> and no, he, he had, would have seven says, sacks if they uh, didn't it, call things back on really crappy penalties. It actually says here he dropped back in coverage four times, which is which is true. But that's only one more time than Puna Ford, who did it three times, and Al Woods, who did it twice. And Al Woods we are actually talking got, about things that were good. I, actually, Al Woods got Al Woods and nice things, Nathan. both got targeted <laughs> by Davis Mills. Okay, we got it. We got to talk about this for a second, though. Okay, I got I got I got I got a side great Al Woods really? game. Why? Why did? Why are these defensive tackles dropping back in coverage? Uh, it's so bad. Legitimately, please, why? Please because stop. we're not running a base four three system, and uh, Pete and Ken Norton Jr. don't know how to run a modern defense unless it's running out of a four three base. Um, with three linebackers. And so we are functionally choosing to run a bare front and use our defensive linemen like linebackers. And right. so net, we are basically not gaining the benefit that you would typically gain from taking a linebacker off the field because we're not doing things in a way that makes sense. Yeah, It's ridiculous. It's so frustrating. Uh, it's so frustrating to watch these defensive tackles trying to run out and, and cover a zone. It's, it's and Daryl Taylor's probably the one that would be best at it, but he's also our only uh, consistently good pass rusher. Yeah, there's it's it's him. Alton Robinson had a decent game, but yeah, it's basically just Taylor. Alton Robinson's pressure numbers are really good, and that's one of those. Uh, I think Alton Robinson and Rasheem Green, to as complementary pieces to Daryl Taylor, we're one pass rusher short of having a pretty legitimate defensive line. Yeah, if uh, Dun if Dunlap was kind of what he's he's been and i don't know if that's what's going on with that where he he's got what he got 15 pass rushes in this game and did not get a pressure this is not a good a good uh offensive line like so if if daryl if daryl taylor sorry daryl taylor is is great kevin and i agree he's just he's he's so good uh so young do we need to find the complimentary piece elsewhere? Like Dunlap is done, right? Or do you yes. agree with that? Like, I think just... we have to find it elsewhere. And I also want someone who is closer in age so that they can be a tandem for a nice chunk of his, uh, of his early career. I, I do think Dunlap's going to end the season with like six sacks, which isn't like horrible. It's just, he's, he's not a, we need someone that can really anchor a pass rush. And I just think he's past that point in his career. He's kind of like yeah. when we had Dwight Freeney before and he could like be a complimentary piece. 
Carlos Dunlap's at that stage of his career where he's like a great complimentary piece, but you really want him to only be on the field in pass rushing downs. And you want him to be like, like in, we used him so weird in this game, 28 snaps and he dropped into coverage seven times. Yep. That's not what he's for. Why? Why? Every time why? we do that, uh, that's I said during the Monday night football game oh. when uh, Leonard Floyd picked off that pass. I was like, you know, that's exactly what Pete thinks that Dunlap is going to do. And that is zero percent what Dunlap is going to do. He's like, he's like, the arms are so long, though, guys. The arms are so long. It's like, just let him pass. The, like let Leonard him try Floyd to. Floyd was a linebacker. This is let, Dunlap maybe, was at no point a linebacker. Maybe let Pete Dunlap, doesn't know what's happening. Maybe uh, uh, he's just getting, you know, it snuck in. Ken's just sneaking things in on Pete. Let him let him try to bat balls down from the from the from the uh, line of scrimmage as opposed to to dropping back in coverage. It would be just as effective. <laughs> like if not more yeah so very stupid uh all right so kevin uh took took daryl taylor the uh the, the probably our best pass rusher this year and definitely someone who's going to be a big part of the pa- seahawks did pass you see the cap forward. news uh no it's a uh so they're saying more. 25 million is uh how much it's going to go up so we should be able to do something about the pass rush yeah we have we're, we have a ton of cap next year we'll have a ton a ton of the, cap the problem is not uh, that we have cap. It's will the Seahawks spend it wisely or will they pay? Uh, will they buy a bunch of eight to ten million dollar free agents and uh, and hope that some of them pan out? Like that's so what many they do. Luke Jones. Yuck. Yeah, so many so many mediocre guys. As good thing, to- Greg Olson is retired. Okay, they need to change their free agency strategy. We could talk about this now. Like their free agency strategy for years has been to kind of go go wide as opposed to to uh, to the- picking. They need to get blue chip guys. This is. This is what they need to do. We need, need impact players because we aren't drafting them. Yeah, so so we we can look at we can look at defensive linemen uh, coming up next year, but I don't want to get into the offseason yet because this season is not over. So we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna shed any offseason content until. Th- remember, I said this is the week, right? Canucks scored again, by the way, four three Canucks. Uh, so the <laughs> the, the uh, this is the week right here where um, if we win this week, I'm in. I'm all yeah, in because Houston sucks. So beating Houston by a lot just means that we don't suck. Yeah. If we win this week, it means we might actually be good. We might actually be fine. Yeah. We're we're Ooh. we we are kind of the average above average team that we thought we were. Uh, we can we are, the Rams don't just own us anymore, right? Like which is which is kind of annoying because like lately it does seem like on a week to week basis, on a season to season basis, the Rams just beat the Seahawks, right? That's just kind of like happen. how we just beat the 49ers. It just happens. Cr- yes. Exactly. <laughs> In your face. So um, anyway, my defensive star, I'm going to give it to someone that uh, I don't think I at the beginning of the game and especially in the first half of the game, I thought I was going to give it to I thought this person. I'm like, man, I don't like it. But Ryan Neal played good football in this game. And I do think uh, the secondary in general, even though it's kind of battered with Sidney Jones and Ryan Neal and DJ Reed and Quandra Diggs, they, they put together a couple good games in a row here. And it is Davis Mills. So I'm, I'm not going to give them too much credit, but I think these guys played good football. There is a player on the other team who is difficult to cover. And he did draw a couple pass interference uh, penalties. You know, he made he made our lives difficult, Brandon Cooks. But um, he Dude, could have Sidney done Jones, a lot more. Sidney Jones, legitimately decent corner. Yeah. Like, good perfectly. on him. Perfectly fine. Like he'll never be a pro bowler because like the leg injuries have sapped his, you know, raw athleticism a little bit, but he's smart. He's physical and he fits really well in our system. He'll go so some I, bad plays, but he'll also make some like really surprising. Yeah. He's like, yeah, if he's, he's our like, new Akeem King. I'm totally cool with that. I like, he's that. like, he's like Trey flowers, but not terrible. Like, I mean, he's like if Trey flowers played within three yards of this he, uh, guy, he's like, a, he's like if Trey flowers knew how to play football. Like Trey flowers is athletic enough to, to play and he's big and he's physical, but he just like, doesn't seem like he totally understands how to play cornerback, which makes sense. Cause he was not a cornerback until he got to the NFL. He was a yep. safety and uh, Sidney Jones has that knowledge. And I feel like that's kind of uh, what makes him so great. But yeah, Brandon cooks got off for eight and 101 against us. But I do think that we did a good job. I mean, two of his catch. Here's, here's some guys that got, he got a catch on. You ready? Uh, Puna Ford, Alton <laughs> Robinson and Jordan Brooks. So part uh, of, part of Brandon cooks beating us is that we did that's not, us beating us. we, we, we did not him. match up. We did not match up. Well, like you don't let Brandon cooks get, get, uh, get in coverage against Bob. Even Bobby Wagner was covering him once. I mean, you just don't let that happen. That's not good coaching, not something you should do. Um, so yeah. Okay. 
we gotta we're gonna cover next week a lot. So we gotta this is a big game. This is the biggest game. This is it. This is the season. If we don't win here, the season is over officially. It's already kind of over because we're one game behind a bunch of teams that we lost to. <laughs> so Yeah, but it so, includes the 49ers who we have a tiebreaker on. So that like, you know. No. Sorry, I just really need to keep mentioning beating them because it's the only thing that makes me feel good right now. Yeah. So so this is a. <laughs> This is like what we need to do, right? Like we need to, we need to keep winning. We have to win the rest of our games. There's no, there's no runway. There's negative runway. Like even if we win the rest of our games, we might not make the playoffs because we lost so many of these to these teams that are directly ahead of us in the, in the standings. But I, this is it. This is it. If we lose this week, it's, it's, it's burnt bread. It's toast. They should start benching people who are, who are have like ding, dingy injuries so that they don't get hurt more. Right. So here we go. Seahawks versus Rams. So let's start with this. We got to start with this. Rams, they put <laughs> these players into COVID protocol this week. Uh, a blessing from the Wait, Omicron. Do you want to just say the players that he didn't put into COVID protocol? It might be a shorter <laughs> list. Hey, a blessing from the Omicron variant right here. Because because coach their coach, Sean McVay, has said that every single one of these players is vaccinated. They have followed the team protocol. They're now an intensive protocol because of... You'll, you'll hear. Okay. Odell Beckham, Terrell Burgess, Bryson Hopkins, Juju Hughes, Alaric Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day, Jordan Fuller, Daryl Henderson, Rob Havenstein, Jalen Ramsey, and Dante Dan, and, and also two practice squad players, Jonah Williams and Tyler Hall. This is an mm. insane amount of of players going on the, uh, the, the COVID list right here. Yeah, that's bad. And a lot of them are good. Okay. Let's, let's start with that. Havenstein, Ramsey, Henderson, uh, these guys are players that matter a lot. Odell, obviously. These are players that matter to the Rams. If they're going to go out there with Cooper Cup, Sony Michelle as their primary targets. Oh, no. Higby is back, and the Seahawks are terrible against tight ends, so that sucks. Uh, Higby was also placed in, in, in code with protocol. But, but we're good against Matt Stafford. Cleared. Yeah. Um, we got to knock him on his butt. He's he's the kind of quiet guy who can get rattled. He's he's really good if you, he's could, not if you can't. If you let me, cannot let put me ask him on you, what butt. are the chances, uh, what are the percentage of these guys that are you think are likely so, coming So back? the guys that got put in before the Monday night game are obviously more likely. So that's Henderson, Havenstein, Ramsey, and Dayon. But they all have and to Havenstein, pass. And Havenstein, Ramsey, and uh, Henderson are three really big ones there. Yeah, those are like the best yeah. ones. But but um, the thing is, is that as a guy who has owned a bunch of guys in COVID protocol this year, you just there's no rhyme or reason it's to, a how, shoot. to it's how like fast a, these guys come shot. off the list because um, because of the way you know just viruses work in general. Like you just you I'm I'm a biology teacher, so I guess I probably uh, okay. But anyway, you just you just like it's it's going to affect every single one of these guys differently, right? Based on their immune systems, based on uh, you know how recent what which vaccine they got, how recently they got their vaccines. It's just all these guys are going to be different, and they need to clear two negative tests in a row. 24 hours apart so if they don't clear their first test by like friday they're probably yeah. done and and that's and that's like iffy you know so they've got you know, a the thing about odell is he couldn't catch anything in cleveland and now oh, okay so so odell and when he was in cleveland he had a quote okay so do you want do you got do you want to hear the <laughs> yes the direct, i was hoping you would bring quote? this up because I, I, I i was sorry i'll admit i was prodding you to say this <laughs> okay so so um yeah, he had a he had a quote against against COVID. He said, "Not in an arrogant way." Okay, that's how he started the quote. Not <laughs> not in an arrogant way. Says arrogant I, yes. people. <laughs> I don't think COVID can get to me. I don't think it's going to enter this body. I don't want no parts of it. It don't want no parts of me. It's a mutual. It's a mutual respect. Wow. Oh, the disrespect. That was that was last year, right? That was no, that was this year. That oh, was, was this, it? The, um, Maybe it's just been it. a long year. <laughs> he he said it. Let's see. Let's see. When did he say it? He said October twenty first, twenty twenty. So no, that's gonna be last year. Okay. Yeah. I remember I was gonna say I remember this from last year. It was he like said, he does not think COVID can get to him. Not in an arrogant way, Eric. Not he's not being arrogant about it. No, it's respect. Um, a mutual respect. Yeah. So Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I you know, I actually so what quote. happened? Let's let's try and analyze what happened with the respect. Well yeah, COVID COVID dis- I mean it's Omicron, dude. It's Omicron, dude. It's disrespectful. It's well, a disrespectful it's, variant. It uh it it took out a it took out a bunch of planets before it was beaten by the Matrix. So now it's back. 
<laughs> all right. Anyway, the, it asks, the why does doesn't it simply eat us? It's larger than all of the other uh, variants players on the field. So why does it why does it not simply eat them? All right. So that this is it. Honestly, though, from I like to analyze everything from a football perspective. This is very positive for the Seahawks. The Rams are a good football team. Let's just start with that. Okay, the Rams are ex- an extremely good football team. One that I would not want to play under. Uh, under like needing normal. a win against them is not good. Yeah, because the Rams are fifth in DVOA right now, and they're fourth in offense and sixth in defense. They have the best defensive player in football, and their estimated wins based on their schedule, they've they are first. They should have the best record in the league. They are underperforming expectation right now, based on they've also, played kind of an easy schedule. On the D line, uh, Greg Gaines and Leonard Floyd are two players. Like I think they paid too much for Leonard Floyd, but those are two players that are kind of perfectly tailored to. Uh, it's it's like when Jeff Kent hit behind Barry Bonds, like like Jeff Kent was a good player, but behind Barry Bonds, he was the exact kind of player no one wanted to have to deal with. Yeah. And Greg Gaines and Leonard Floyd in that role, basically playing in Aaron Donald's wake, is um, it, it's really problematic because Greg Baines is a roughly the size of a refrigerator, and b far faster than he should be at that size. That's mm-hmm. a really annoying player to have to deal with in tandem with Aaron Donald. Uh, Leonard Floyd has a nightmare wingspan when you're going to be trying to escape the pocket, like we saw it last year. There were, or well, I guess over the last couple of years, there have been multiple instances where Russ is trying to escape the interior pressure by Aaron Donald, and Leonard Floyd's able to just get an arm on his shoulder pad, and he's big enough and strong enough where that's enough to be a problem. Yeah. And so, okay, Aaron Donald, yeah, he's basically, if a Sherman tank was a person, it'd be Aaron Donald. Like, he's very, he's, not only is he the, so a pass rush run rate, he's first in the league by like 12%, like he's 12% better than the so the like he's first with 28% and then the second place player is like 17 at his position at defensive tackle he's extremely good and uh also he does that same thing while getting double teamed about 20% more than than any defensive tackle in the league he's a ridiculous human being he's very hard to stop um so yeah this is a it's an interesting it's an interesting uh situation with uh, with the Rams, though, if you know what I would love if mm. they had to forfeit because like too many COVID cases and then <laughs> and then we made the playoffs just to see how people would react to it. Because, <laughs> wow, man, people I think people would have a meltdown because we're kind of like the Seahawks are kind of one of the villain teams to, to, to a casual fan. Right. Oh, because yeah. We have a we have a lot of kind of annoying, fan, obnoxious fans. And, Even uh, if we don't anymore, we we did for a number of years. Yeah, so I think people are like happy we're kind of getting our, our comeuppance or whatever. And so I would love, love, love to to win a game by forfeit just to see how people react. Just to kind of, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a watch the world burn kind of guy. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Anyway, that's uh that we gotta okay. So Rams okay. So Seahawks offense versus Rams defense. We got to give Russ time. Cannot let Aaron Donald control the tempo of the game, right? If if Russ is running around, taking nine-step drops and uh, doing crazy stuff to try to avoid uh, him, we need to give Russ time to get the ball, If especially if Ramsey's out, like get the ball to our quite excellent wide receivers, right? This is feed DK, feed Tyler, um, just, just make that happen. So that's kind of how I feel about uh, offense versus defense. Kevin, you got any thoughts there? Uh. Yeah, I mean, just to kind of thinking about uh, pass blocking specifically, um, this is a game where I would really worry about uh, Jay Curham getting a significant amount of time <clears throat> because uh, the big thing is as a run blocker, he's kind of able to at least look like he knows what he's doing. In pass blocking, he's still pretty lost. This would be a huge game to get Brandon Shell back, and I wouldn't be shocked if part of the reason why he sat against Houston was because we wanted to give him that extra chance to kind of get it all together because we're going to need our offensive line to play its best game of the season here. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's a tough, tough The one. other piece of it is, um, are we going to be using the intermediate pass game? Because the Rams have shown that they're perfectly willing to take away the deep ball and force Russ to throw a different style of game, and Russ has stubbornly, stubbornly refused to do so. He just keeps throwing the deep ball over and over again to Tyler, to DK. DK had a great game against the Rams last time, and it didn't really matter. 
because our overall passing efficiency wasn't there. So I think that I think that's going to be the other thing is is Russ willing to take the middle of the field? Is Russ willing to throw on their linebackers? Is Russ willing to make the throws that he doesn't normally like making? You know, can we get a screen game working to uh, Penny? Can we uh, take advantage of the aggressiveness of their defense? So that I think that's the other key on offense. Um, are we going to do anything besides keep trying to huck it deep over and over to our top two wide receivers? Because if not, it's going to be a long day. Yeah. Hmm. Um, okay. And then, let's go. Uh, do, Eric, did you want to say anything about uh, our offense versus their defense? No, no, no. Uh, I want to see you guys cover let's everything I had. Let's, uh, let's flip. Then let's flip. Stafford's let's have you, the statue, the end. Let's have us flip. Yeah, let's I'll say you flip it to the defense against the offense. You want to put the statue Stafford on his butt? Yeah. Uh, that's, get, get him hurt? Honestly, when when we were talking about how we have success against Stafford, let's face it, Stafford is older. Stafford is not moving around a lot. He's never been like a fast guy. He used to move laterally. Uh, he used to run touchdowns in. Back in my uh, days of winning fantasy football, those days are long gone, both him running and my days of winning in fantasy football. And uh, he's seriously, this is a guy you can, like you said, we can rattle him. I'm not, I'm not certain we're going to be able to get there with four. Yeah. I think so, it's going to have to be a blitzing day. So all all time against the Seahawks, he's he's a two and three, sixty five percent completion percentage. That includes a win this year, by the way. So he's one and three going into the season. Uh, eight touchdowns versus eight interceptions. So um, yeah, coming into and then of course this year is he's dragging up his stats because he had a pretty good game in the first one, right? So yeah, I would say that. Well, what did he do in the first game of the season? Not a great I, game. It it was I okay. He... Uh, he went. He went one touchdown, one interception, 25 for 30, pretty much in line with his career stats against us. Yeah. Yeah. Around 65%. So yeah, if we, if he can, if he does that again, we're going to be, we're going to be in it with a chance to win just like we were in the Rams game, you know, and Only we'll have we got, Russ instead of Gino. except we'll get to finish the game mm-hmm. with Russ instead of Gino. And that's, that's a big difference. And they won't, they, and then hopefully they'll be shorthanded. So maybe we'll have the shoe on the front foot and be able to get ahead of them a little bit. Right. Um, Cause if, yeah, if they're missing players, it gives us a big advantage. All right. Um, you guys ready to pick this game? You guys ready to, to make a prediction about Rams Seahawks? This is a tough one. Uh, Vegas thinks the Rams are a slight favorite. Uh, they they move the line down because the Rams have a, a billion a billion COVID cases. I think it opened at seven and now is at like four and a half. So it's getting closer. Uh, what do you th- what do you think, Kevin? Who's going to win, the Rams or the Seahawks? All right. So with the COVID cases, I think that's. Something to consider and something to keep an eye on. But the fact of the matter is, I don't like baking on COVID luck. I think these two teams always play each other close, except the occasional Rams blowout. I think this is going to be one of the close games. I'm going to go 27-24 Rams. All right, Eric, what do you think? I also have this is a close game. The Rams... I thought the Rams were going to be the best team in the division this year. I didn't think that Arizona was going to be so strong on their record. Where Arizona is starting to fall apart a little bit, the Rams I, are holding steady. I was going to say, you might, you, you might be right, Eric. You might be right. The Rams, I think, might be better than Arizona. Yeah, now. the Rams are holding steady. I mean, they've got an older team, but there's something a little more rugged and tough about them. Uh, I have this as a close game. I have it 24-23 Rams. Yeah, I think that close game is right. Uh, Seahawks are, have the ability to keep it close. Uh, I think it comes down to Jason Myers. And Jason Myers lately has been not as good as he has been in the past. He missed a couple last week. Uh, it's You want to see him uh, putting the ball through. So if he if Jason Myers can can knock through his field goals and the special teams can be the difference, I think the Seahawks can win this game. But that's that's the difference maker. We need we need the special teams to be really good in this game to, to help us. So I'm going to go. Uh, missed field goal and I say the Rams win 21 20 uh, in a, in a nail biter. All right. So uh, that's it for that. There are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest for as little dollar 24 a month, get access to the, uh, the discord, get access to uh, our picks podcast, which is a lot of fun. We have a great time with it. And uh, the discord obviously is, is very fun. You can talk to talk to the boys, hang out with a, uh, with Astro flock, uh, lazy uh, email 
uh, so many people. Warwolf. There's so many people. Dash. I don't know. There's like a million people. There's 94 in there, like, people in there now. So yeah, there's, so, so, there's we're a almost, quality selection. We're almost to 100 in there. I don't, I'm, I feel like I'm naming people and I'm going to leave people out. Oh, is there BB? Uh, okay, there's just a lot. Uh, oh, you, you oh, can't B, do this and name the patrons. It doesn't work. B, B Albert. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying you to name people that I twice. <laughs> yeah, Joel, you got Joel, you got Joel. I mean, there's just so many people just, hang, just hanging out. Eric, Eric Correct. is uh, Eric. Eric, what he does is he checks in and then he'll be like, ah, oh, that was funny. I'm and the then, best lurker. Like I will see it. I saw Kevin was uh you, Kevin watched Tom Popo and I I did an emoji and then uh, call me Patrick Swayze because I'm ghost. I I posted I posted a picture of Skirple. <laughs> that was that that was funnier to me than it ever should have been. Uh, all right, so thanks to thanks to the Patreons, new and old. We got Andy, Brett, Greta, James, Carrie, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David. Uh, do it all for the Tucci, Philoctimus, Foles, Jay, Leon, Michelle, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and everyone else. Uh, oh, and our our once uh, our once and future king, Washington Fish Quest, Blake, uh, for for being our best sponsor and only sponsor ever. Uh, getting those, getting those ad episodes. All right, Kevin, uh, this year I passed on my, my birthday takeover, but you could not pass up an opportunity to force us to talk about international films. And That's I respect, and I respect that <laughs> you, you, you were like, you were like, uh, you know what? Nathan didn't do it, but I need to talk about my foreign films. Damn it. <laughs> so, That's right. And so I decided to do something because I need, I need a source of joy right now. It is. Um, the three week sweat stretch between Thanksgiving and Christmas um, breaks. So uh, for teachers, that's known as uh, as hell. And I needed something to look forward to. And so we're talking top five, fave five international action movies. This is so hard. I went and started looking at this my letterbox. Yeah, incredibly and I, hard. And I was like, bro, this is like, like I have two movies in my top four that fit the fill for this. And I have like... 10 or 15 <laughs> movies that I've rated over four and a half that like that yep. like I I uh, I could pick. It's like, bro, That's why right. would this you be legit? <laughs> why would you even make this category? This is this is brutal. This is brutal. So I'm going to I'm going to take just like I'm going to take the opportunity. I'll go first. I'm going to take the opportunity to just talk about my favorite movie ever. I don't think we've ever done a full episode on it. Um, so my favorite movie is John Woo's Hard Boiled 1992. Um, I think like. I watched it when I was like, I don't know, too young to watch this movie, like 11 or 12 or something. My dad would let me watch basically any action film that I wanted. Um, we sure very, bonded over that. <laughs> very, very John, very John Santa movie. I couldn't watch things that had like a lot of like sex in it or anything, but if it, it could have limitless people getting blown up by a shotgun. So, so, so that should tell yeah. you something about, about me. Um, but this film, it's, uh, it's like so it's so um it's so kind of cliche like the rogue cop the undercover cop they got to team up we got to beat some gangsters it's just it's like the John Woo blueprint we got jazz club and we got birds and we got a guy named Tequila and like there's 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 a scene where Tequila plays jazz clarinet uh no one ever has to reload their guns except for if it looks really cool or if they're about to get killed like it it's it's seriously just um, like, and it's got the best Mad Dog. Mad Dog from the Raid, very cool. But Mad Dog from Hard Boiled, all the way. Like, Act. best best Mad Dog in uh in film. Mad Dog's in my my one of the movies I might stump for later. They're the same actor, um, Philip Kwok Chun Fung. But the the this movie is just really good, and it has like my two favorite action Asian action actors, uh, Chow Yun Fat and Tony Leung, who are both excellent. Um, this is this the best John Woo movie? No, is it the best Chow Yun Fat movie? Probably not either. That either. Like, if you told me, like, if you made me say which one's the best, but is it my favorite? Absolutely, I'd watch this movie at any time, any day. I would come into it at any point because you're only five or ten minutes away from another really cool action set piece. Yeah. Uh, in this movie, and then the beat ass long take at the end of the movie is basically just like just peak, sick. peak 1992 cinema i don't think anyone put anything better on film for like five years before or after this like it is true yeah. it is like such a good take it's really long it's it, that had to be so hard to do and it's so perfect it took uh, a long time for people to really give that respect to like yeah, there's still so the, many people that the, don't know about the that. amount of the amount of choreography and just planning that goes into a shot like that like respect to literally every single person involved from uh, from the actors down to the guy running the camera rig like that is just it's it's literally perfect and 
Yeah. It's stellar. Yeah, it's, it's a clinic on how to do uh, long takes. So um, anyway. I would like to back you up with something. Um, yeah. There are some people who can't do John Woo because um, he, he has a melodramatic style. Uh, the way I like to summarize it is uh, in John Woo's world, if his character is crying, it rains because the world cries with them. Yeah. And if that's something that you cannot handle in your action movie, then I just feel bad for you because that means that you don't get to experience the magic that these movies are. But yeah, I feel like either Hard Boiled or A Better Tomorrow had to be on there. And I respect Hard Boiled as the choice. Um, it's just like, uh, it's, it's so rewatchable too. I cannot stress to you this enough. Like this movie is just so easy to just pick up. It doesn't matter what scene you're in. Although, I mean, starting from the beginning is great because there's like a beat ass clarinet solo, like in the first 10 minutes <laughs> and, it, and more movies should open with like super sweet, uh, clarinet. I mean, this just, this movie just rules. Like if you don't like this movie, I don't know if I'd have like a lot, I just cannot, this is. It's so cool. Like him, just tequila in like the first action sequence. He's he's going down the stairs, just shooting pistols, sliding down a thing. I knew I was going to talk about this movie for at least five minutes, which is why I like was fine with not <laughs> corpsing through the through the, the the Seahawks part because like we didn't have that much to say about the Texans because they're effing terrible. Because we have this a is, lot to say about John Woo. Yeah, this is the best action movie of all time in my opinion. I would put it up against anything. It's my favorite. I would watch it a million times. This is great. Guns never run out of bullets. Motorcycles blow up. Like it's just, it's awesome. Uh, yep. That's it. I'm done. I, I, I gave myself five minutes and I'm done. All right. Uh, Kevin. Eric. No, I'm letting Eric, oh, Eric go. I'll, Eric. Take, oh, I'll, would, I'll fill it in. I would, okay, I would appreciate it if I could go because Kevin's – see, oh, Nathan, you said you had to – you know, you said this was really hard. And I also thought it was hard. And so I started going, well, what's fun? Like, I don't know. What's the best movie? And I, I got to go with like fun, like some weird choices. And I was like, nothing really worked. And then fun – and good came to me all at once. I, I have like, I have a fun weird one, but you oh well, yes yeah I'm sure you have a billion. <laughs> but you got you guys talk this. about this in your in your off time. So when you when you give me this, I'm like <laughs> I'm like oh well now I got to kind of get into their headspace. So I'm going straight, and I hope that this is okay with with Kevin uh, near his birthday. Uh, but I'm going with Police Story. Okay, always the Jackie Chan classic great. because yeah. Police Story is as much as I really do love and enjoy rumble in the Bronx because it's so goofy and the stunts are fun. Uh, police story is the template for the full Jackie Chan immersive stunt action, goofy scene movie. And it's in police, some ways it's perfect in every way. Police police story is the best Jackie Chan movie. Oh, the stunts uh, in this movie are yeah, so uh, good. It's everything in the bus. The bus is wonderful. Everything in the building at the end is just, I'm I'm still amazed he made it out of there without it's dying. There's there's a there's a physicality to which Jackie Chan does things that is unmatchable. It's just it's so it's so different than what anyone does do. And you know you see the bloopers because he he'll do he'll think of something crazy that he can do, and he's like I can do this, and he'll just do takes until he can nail it. Right? Yeah, I was saying, and just, he will do it like six hundred times with his crew to get it perfect once. Which which gives these movies. The, the the perfect Jackie Chan movie, and this is the one. This is the best Jack Jackie Chan movie. Uh, is is one where it's it's almost like a slapstick comedy in in its uh, in its presentation of action, and that's just true. It's 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 unique to him, and this is the best example of it. Yeah, he I talks think. about being inspired by Buster Keaton, um, who's uh, from the silent film era and uh, one of the all time physical comedians um, put to film, and like like a lot of stunt formats are based on things that he did and that's Jackie Chan revolutionized uh the way that like stunt teams and really the way stunt teams should work in a lot of ways well and when we got rumble in the bronx here that was a lot of americans introduction like mainstream america's introduction to, to Jackie Chan we got him when he was starting to get old like police story he's 30 years old i think mm -hmm. maybe 29 in that movie he looks a little older cuz Jackie always looks a little older but he was he was still young and he was just it's it's um, it's his prime. It's two, beautiful. Two quotes that I've read about this movie in reviews before that I that kind of stick in my head. Uh, one is that um, safety last. <laughs> yes. And then and the other one was uh, I loved the part where he did the stunt because that's like basically <laughs> describes the whole movie. But it's just like it's it's perfect. This is a great it's a great it's an all time great. The last 20 minutes of this movie might be t the 20 best minutes put to film in uh action movies like it's it's like it's right up there the whole mall sequence there's almost no dialogue 
but the storytelling is perfect because the storytelling is done through the action sequences. Like they don't need to telegraph with words what's going to happen next because the shots happen at such a pace and from such an angle and with enough room for the actors to play on the screen where you know what's going to happen. And so you just are like along for this really enjoyable ride. Mm hmm. All right, Kevin, what, what, hit us with yeah. your with your hit us with your free square. All right, uh, well, hey, I, hey, I have a question. Does Old Boy count as an action movie? Uh, that's something that I was debating and thought that we could talk about. <laughs> so I was going to push it to the wild card debate. Oh, okay. I I don't. I'm not sure if it, it's like not a straight action movie. I was like kind of struggling with uh with. It. Here's the thing, though: uh, is any movie that has that hallway sequence able to be shut out of action movie lore? Well, we, I mean, yeah, let's just talk, we can just talk about it now, but that's like a, the fact that so many things have taken that scene and just remade it basically shot for shot. And then people are like, oh, that's so cool. That scene in Daredevil. And it's like, yeah, bro, that's just the scene <laughs> from old boy. It's just the same thing. They, they yes. didn't have to change anything. Cause it's just so sweet. It's hard to be like saying because... the gripple fight is really cool. That unique scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's because gonna... it's, it's all about like, is the action like. An action movie can be intense, but to be on this list, I didn't want something so intense that it took my mind off the action. And Old Boy does that from time to time. Like it's, it's so. I think of it as just like this amazing piece of film that's so intense before I think action. But yeah, the action sequences are crazy good. All right, let's figure out if it's going to be on there in a moment because uh, I'm going to take a look through. Because the other thing that I thought to myself is, uh, we got to have movies that have. Uh, uh, like gun action then there needs to be movies with um like beat them up so i think police story has a good bit of that i'm, a, um, I'm about so, to throw you i'm about to throw you for a loop when the in the in the wild card section kevin you're gonna you're gonna lose your stuff because you're gonna have to push stuff out i'm gonna i got i got i'm coming from an angle you're not going to expect wow all right i appreciate that then um i'm gonna go ahead and put on there uh you know we've got uh hong kong well, well represented but I think we need to have Japan on there. Okay. And uh, Lone Wolf and Cub, the second Lone Wolf and Cub movie, uh, Baby Cart in the River Sticks, is really tempting here. But just for sheer violence and choreography and influence, I'm going to say Lady Snowblood. Okay. Okay. Um, and that gives us okay. a Blade movie, which you need something that has, uh, you know, um, like bladed weaponry. Yeah, but couldn't you have couldn't you have gone with the Master of the Flying Guillotine just for the the sweetness factor? Yeah, or but like, we already had a couple of Hong Kong movies on here. It can't be an all Hong Kong list. How about how about Thirteen Assassins for uh, Thirteen Assassins is on my. I list. would take Lady Snowblood over Thirteen Assassins because I think those those movies are pretty close. They're both fours for me, so I like them. They're both, both good. They're really good movies. Yes, but uh, Lady Snowblood um, doesn't have any wasted scenes. All right. You guys ready for my first suggestion for for this? You ready for this? Right, for let's hear best it. best foreign action film. You guys ready for the Fave Five? Gotta be Hot Fuzz. Wow. <laughs> Kevin, did you see this coming? Uh, yeah, because I also have Dang seventy-one it. on here. No, I, I was like, I'm gonna throw him for a loop with Hot Fuzz, and then if they say no, I'm gonna say Snatch. But <laughs> because <laughs> because those are foreign films, they're both foreign films. I actually like Snatch better than Hot Fuzz. I just think Ke it's going to be easier for me to get Kevin to agree with Hot, Hot Fuzz. I but mean, yes, I picking the movie that's literally for my taste is an easy way to get me behind. But we got to have a, I think we got to have one of these British action movies in here. So do you do you are you into that, Eric? What do you I'm think? OK with that. I just don't. Uh, I don't know. What else do you have? Like what else has have? more action than Snatch? Between those two, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put. Snatch. I love. Snatch. I love the action. It's not action Snatch. to me. It's the not action in Snatch, and also the boxing scenes, which I do count as action in Snatch, are also really good. Snatch is just a really good movie, but I don't know. I guess I could put Hot Fuzz in there. Yeah, Hot Fuzz is like a straight action movie. Like I there's just so only one of these movies has a sequence where someone turns on their back and fires their gun into the air out of frustration. Yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> I don't know. You could. You, I guess you could say like Kingsman or something, but I don't. I don't know that. I don't like. No, no, I don't no. like Kingsman that much. I uh, like it, but I. I don't feel like it's as good of a movie. It's enjoyable, it's, but it's not. It's not overall like. No, I would. Um, I would definitely put a hot fuzz. In I'm there. trying to think of like other English. Would you, what was the one you said, Kevin? Uh, Seventy one, the movie about. Um, it's uh, about the troubles in Ireland. It's uh, a soldier gets stuck kind of behind the lines. 
Okay. It's a really interesting movie. It's um What about got a really good drama in it? It's well performed. I had a, I had another question one. Is Children of Men an action movie? No. I, the, I don't think so. The long it's, the the long take in this movie is so good and so action packed. It's like it's an all timer. Yep. It's it's so good. And um I just think Children of Men, also foreign, also British. Uh that that's a that's a dope uh that's a dope movie. It's so good. Um, but it it is it is a little science fictiony, so I, I don't know. It, it's it's towing a line. For I mean, sure. at that rate, I mean, we could talk about like, like I wouldn't put the Italian job on this list. So the thing is, that <laughs> I, would, I, I wouldn't either. But when you but it's at, but it's got some great at, action scenes, you know. But when it, you look at where countries are, uh, what countries uh, were used for filming, um, the thing about Hot Fuzz, the thing about uh, Hot Fuzz is that it has nothing filmed in the United States. It is a purely foreign film. Whereas uh, uh, the uh, Children of Men does have uh, some uh, U.S. filming. Really? Yep. It's set in the U.K. and like it has all British actors and mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't know. I did not know that. Yeah, it has setting. It has setting credits for U.S. Uh, it was not eligible for um, for best foreign film. Yeah, because it released. It released UK submission or as a UK submission. The deep dive for its own the, uh, subject. Yep. Yeah, I. Uh, I'm, okay, so we're we're going with Hot Fuzz, then I think it's like an ag- agreement. Then it's I like a, it. Yep, I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Sweet. And then uh, we got one. We got one more. This is a, the hardest one ever. Okay. So, uh, is it too much, Jackie? If we just do uh, Drunken Master 1978. I I don't love Drunken mm. Master as much as most people. There's like t- I could think of ten movies I'd rather have in than than Drunken Master. Okay. How about Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin? There. That's a good one. There's no Donnie Yen on this list, and it's bugging me. I knew. Uh, is that yeah. is, is that is that a is that a uh, is that a um is that too too, too much? Okay, so it, if we're gonna put Donnie Yen on the list, though, I have uh, I have a caveat, and um, that is it has to be a movie in which Donnie Yen uh, beats up a uh, metaphysical concept. Oh, Those boy. are the best Donnie Yen movies. Oh, Kevin's so... going Rogue One. I never saw it coming. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Ip Man. Ip Man. The best. The best. Uh, the best uh, Superman movies ever made. The Ip Man movies. Um, I would also be willing to go with uh, Hero. I actually really like Hero. Ooh. I think it's a, it's like a super good movie. I'd be okay um, with Hero. I like that quite a bit, actually. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know if it's actually like if I really sat down and thought like, oh, is this a five five movies? But it's like really, really solid. It's got Jim. And that it cast. Lets, it lets us cover like a million good actors: Maggie Chung, Jet Li, T- uh, Tony Leung, Johnny Donnie Yen, Zhang Ziyi. Like everyone's in this movie. Like it's Beautifully it's shot. so good. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want that. The product. The production. Oh, Eric's into it. So now we yeah. got. Now I got to do it. Okay, because um, it's either that or I would want to get one that has um, I, I uh, wanted to... with the, the three dragons. Like if, if we could get one that has Yuen Bao, uh, Sammo Hung, and uh, Jackie Chan, but I just don't think that movie rises to that level. Or I wanted to go like Gonzo, you know, go like with something really weird, like a one armed swordsman, one armed swordsman, or like Shaolin soccer or something, like yeah, uh, boxer Kung from Kung Fu Hustle. <laughs> like just some just some movie that's like really out there because like those movies are really fun. Um, they are. Do, we have, do we have a Wuxia movie the in here yet, either? The Magnificent Butcher. Do we have a, uh, no, Lady Snowblood's the closest we have to a Wuxia. Yeah, so th- then that's that that's a good reason to put Hero as well because we don't really have like a like a Wirefu like kind of representative uh, from this kind of this genre, right? Of, of yeah, because the other one would be the Eight Diagram Pole Fighter. I would put right up there with Hero. Yeah, but this one's like I think more. I don't know. It's more mainstream too. People actually have that. Yeah. More seem it. Let's go hero. I'm I'm cool with that. Police story, hard boiled, lady snowblood, hot fuzz, hero. Can, can we I'd talk, watch that lineup any day. Let me talk ages. about can we talk about hero for a second? Like one thing I love about this movie is the costumes and production design are so high level. Like the sets and the just the production in this movie is looks so good. It seems like a lot of the scenes they're going for a theme, like a color palette theme. Where American movies will adjust the color temperature, meaning like the Kelvin. So uh, a good example is like Batman Begins was a very warm movie. Uh, a lot of orange-brown tones, where in the sequel it was more blue tones. Uh, these movies, and Hero in particular, will be like, okay, this one scene in this forest, it's going to focus on yellows. And there's going to be a flash of yeah. red, flashes of white. And then they change that throughout the scenes, and it's that's pretty rad. 
<laughs> it's pretty rad. Oh, yeah. Or the entire um, the uh, when they play the fight sequence possibilities out in the minds of each of the mm, warriors. Yeah, that is such a that is a incredibly cool scene. Just the whole movie, like the final scene is so cool. I don't know. It's like it's uh, broken. You know, broken sword, just a cool. Uh, it's just a cool. Uh, the whole thing's cool. Yep. A, a very enjoyable film. All right. So there you go. There's our fave five. Uh, you have a favorite foreign film that you want to talk about uh, in the in the discord. Hit us up. Um, we, maybe we can group watch it together because I'm, I'm me and Kevin are going to be off work. So for, for Kevin, <laughs> for Eric, we will see you guys next week and uh, go Hawks.